Let me ask you this. If he was to come back right now, as I speak, where would you find yourself? And would you be ready? Like, of course, many Christians, they would say, yeah, PD, I would be ready. You know, what do you mean? What kind of a question is that? I mean, when we were talking about readiness, we know that I asked Jesus to come and live in my heart all those years ago. That seals me for the day he comes back. And that's that. The only problem is, is the Bible doesn't tell us that we should ask him to come and live in our hearts. The scripture says you need to give him your life. And the scriptures talk about warnings for the end of days, that the world is going to be so desolate that it is not just those who are atheists or who don't believe or who are pagans or the, the typical characters who may be considered anti-Christ or scary and evil looking. Now, the scriptures talks about a falling away. It talks about people who would be considered godly, religious, pretty on the outside. Everything that you could imagine would make their way into the kingdom of God. Yet the scripture says the world will become so desolate that even those would find themselves in the wrong kingdom. And I want to submit that that is what happened in the first century. We had these Pharisees who when they saw Yeshua, they were perplexed in their hearts, pointing the finger at him. You know, because when we think about Antichrist, you know, we like I said, we, we consider that some evil Mark of the Beast character. However, in the first century, the Antichrists were clothed beautifully. They looked like everyone was like, these guys are going to be first in the kingdom of God. They loved the God of the Bible, they said. However, they were against God in the flesh. They loved the Bible itself, the words written. They would say, oh, that's cool. I like that. I teach that. However, when that Bible started walking around in the first century in the form of Jesus, they were offended and perplexed because his life convicted them of the desolation that they were laid in. And so I want to submit that he's coming back for a bride who doesn't just study what he studied. He's coming back for a bride who walked as he walked. And that's the big question that we have to think about here tonight, because I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before him and he says, Petey, you studied well. Petey, you you had all the knowledge. You had all the mysteries figured out. You had all of the, 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 the deepest things that no one else knew figured out. But where was your works? Where was your walk? Where was the fruit of the spirit? Love, patience, kindness, gentleness. Where was the love for your neighbor that was radical and different that actually changed the hearts of the people that you were around? Where was that in your life? See, the people who will hear the part, I never knew you worker of lawlessness is a worker of lawlessness, not a talker of goodness or a talker of lawlessness. God is looking at our works and he is coming back as not just the savior, which he is coming back, hallelujah, to do. But he's also coming back as a righteous judge. The scripture says, for example, in Revelation 
22 verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. He says in Ecclesiastes 12, 14, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Matthew 12, 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every single careless word that they speak. See, brothers and sisters, when we think about as in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. You know, in one sense, I could see that the world back then had no regard for the return of God. And no return regard for the words of God. But to, and today it's the same. The, the world has no regard for his coming yet again. They will say that would never happen. But what really distorts me is that it's not just what the world is doing. It is what is most expected that his believers, his followers, people who say they know him have no true regard for his return anymore. Because if we say we're looking forward to his return, and we're ready for him that, like I just said, if he's going to come back before the end of this talk, if that's what's going to happen, let's just say that here tonight. But yet we find ourselves normalized to this world, finding ourselves at home here, or we find ourselves in a place we have truly forgotten our own depravity, or we have found ourselves in a place we have lost the fear of God then we are truly not ready for his return. And I want to submit that those three things which I want to talk about here tonight are the very things that, generally speaking, you may find one of those you lack. So first off, we've become normalized to this world. Now, you know, I want you to think about this parable that I'm going to share with you here. Just imagine a man who goes and he goes to visit his friends we would understand that as he visits those friends, he's he's there. Maybe he's having a meal with them. However, there comes a time as the evening progresses where there is an expectancy that that man will return to his house and and go home and and go get in his own bed and sleep. But if that man stayed, stayed, Stayed as the time ticks on and he's having a drink, he's having a drink and he's getting drunk off of the wine of his friend and he forgets his own house. He forgets his address, where he has come from. He does not no longer know where he is going or where he comes from. In fact, will he not find himself overstaying? And so I want to submit that that is where many of us are. We have gotten so comfortable in this world, this place we now call home, even though it is not our home. We are overstaying in that we have forgotten our address. Our address is in a kingdom not of this world. And it is until we remember, we become sober again and remember, oh, God, you or where my home is. I, I am living for that place. I'm not going to get drunk on the pleasures of this world. See, dear brothers and sisters, we get so invested in this place. 
you know, yes, we we have our houses that we buy here. We we set up. We we live in a city. We go to a school or a workplace, and and all the things in our life fall into place. We f- take our kids to school. We go pick up our groceries. We go through all of the things in life that we have to go through, and that is fine. However, do you understand that you're a part of a kingdom, not of this world, and that the kingdom that you're a part of is now here? within you. See, the kingdom of God is a kingdom that is both coming and here now. It is a kingdom that we are both looking forward to that is coming with Yeshua, but also is here now within you waiting to burst out of the people of God. And we don't want to miss that kingdom that is here now within us while being distracted with all that is around us. A people of God that is distracted by the things of this world and forgetting who they are as a temple of the Holy Spirit are not ready for his return because they are not busy being a light. And only those who are busy being a light will have the oil. And only those who have the oil will be let in as the virgins who were let in were let in. But where are you with that? The second thing that some of us have forgotten about is that we have forgotten our own depravity. And this really is a symptom of the gospel becoming boring to us, not being preached the way it should be. What is our depravity? See, the gospel message teaches us that Yeshua, that Jesus had to come and die because we were separated from the Almighty. And it is that understanding that helps us remain humble, helps us understand and be aware of our own sin and helps us to not be a pointing of the finger type of person because we recognize the grace that was afforded to us. There are people in this world who do not who who understand their depravity, but they don't understand his grace. And so they live self-condemned. And there are people who understand his grace, but not their own depravity. So what they live like is blinded by their own sin. God is calling us to understand the grace that's been afforded to us, that he did come to save us, that he is coming for us and he will raise us from the dead. But at the same time that he has saved us from our own sins, not because we are just good and of ourselves. And and look, I know this sounds kind of obvious, but so often our actions speak otherwise that we've forgotten this. Deuteronomy 9 verse 4 says, do not say in your heart, After the Lord your God has thrust him out before you, it's because of my righteousness that God has brought me into possess this land. Verse five, and that he may he's come to confirm the word that he swore to your fathers, Abram, Isaac and Jacob. Then he goes on to verse 17. I took hold of the two tablets, Moses says, and I threw it and broke them before your eyes. See, God is saying, look, don't think it's because of your good works that I have saved you. I've chosen you. I've given you knowledge and wisdom and understanding and all the beautiful things you have. It is not because you're good. Remember that I threw the commandments and broke them before your very eyes. And see, that is exactly what God has done with each and every one of us. He has taken the commandments and he's thrown it before us and he's broken it before us because we have broken it. It's not that's what we have done because of our sins. And that should place us in a place of humility always. Oh God, refine me. Oh God, make me more like you. Oh God, I'm going to be slow to judge. I'm going to be slow to anger. I'm going to be slow to, to point the finger at my brother or sister who's got, who doesn't have everything right because I don't have anything right. And I know that the measure that I judge with 
God, you will use that measure right back at me. The grace that I afford others will be afforded to me. And the grace I don't afford others won't be afforded to me. And that perhaps is is one thing we have to really understand is love your neighbor as yourself. The way you love your neighbor is going to really have a big role as to what your circumstances are going to be like when you face the almighty because he's going to judge you based on how you loved him and how you loved your neighbor. The greatest commandments that everything else is summed up in. And so I want to submit, brothers and sisters, that you are going to be either a Pharisee or a tax collector before him. You're either going to be the man who says, oh, God, I thank you. I'm not like other men. I tithe. I do all the good and godly and religious things like the Pharisees in the first century did. Or you're going to be the tax collector who beat his chest and who said, oh, God, I can't even look up to you for I am a sinner and I don't even deserve to speak to you. Oh, God, have mercy on my soul. And it says in the scriptures that the Pharisee God was not justified, but the tax collector was he received a reward before the king only because of his humility and his works may not even have been as pretty as the Pharisee, but his humility was what justified him. Your humility will justify or condemn you. How you treat others will justify or condemn you. That Pharisee was condemned because he said, thank you. I'm not like other men being blinded by his own depravity. That was simply in another area as the man to whom he was pointing his finger at. So easy it's for us to lift up a law and say, oh, I'm holy, I'm holy, I'm holy in this area. But then we judge others in that specific area because they're not like we are in that area, but they're much better in another area where we are actually deprived in. And we are so blind that we don't see that. But he sees it all. He knows our heart better than we do. He knows our thoughts better than we do. He's more in our head than we are. It's good for us to really submit ourselves humbly before him and ask him to show us our sin before we go on a rampage to expose the sins of others. We can go and we should be people of 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 unity and people of justice and people who also call out sin according to the biblical protocols he's laid out for us. However, when we do so, let's make sure we have nothing in our own eyes so we can judge clearly. Because I'll be honest, brothers and sisters, when I look around, the the trend is that God's people have a lot of stuff in their eyes and they are really struggling to judge clearly because of that. And if they would only humble themselves, perhaps then they could, when they face him, be fully ready. The last thing that I want to talk about here tonight is that we have lost our fear of God. When you think about his temple, it's like, wow, the temple of God, we revere it. And, you know, if if I could just metaphorically speak, if there was a temple of God in your city, like if you were in Jerusalem, the temple of God was there and it is it is legitimate, legitimately where he's put his name, right? It is legitimately where his presence is. Would you not be like in reverence of that as they were in the first century? Be like, wow, this is the temple of God, right? The, the blood was sprinkled here like this has been made holy. Amen to all of that. But then now when we come to this new covenant, 
which all of that which we have studied points to. And we can now understand that the temple that is here, as it was in the first century, Yeshua said, break down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days, right? He is saying, I will raise it because he's speaking about his body. He was the reality of the building. And he is saying, you are going to be the Lord of the world as well. You're going to be temples. And then we did. He said, I'm going to send my spirit and dwell you and fill you. And he sends his spirit and his spirit falls on us with tongues of fire. We get baptized in the spirit. We come become temples of the Holy Spirit. And as that occurs, we're changed forever. And ultimately now, what does that mean for how you treat your brother and sister? If your brother or your sister is literally the temple of the spirit, this is not symbolic, brothers and sisters. Do you understand that this is not just symbolic, that this is reality? Do you understand that this is more real than the building? Do you understand this is more real than what happened in the building? That this has always been God's plan from the beginning to put us up as the temple. And so if that's true, and if the temple if the Holy One of Israel, the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, the holiest of all holy lives in me, And I am now a holy of holies because that's what it means. And you are a holy of holies. What does that mean regarding how I should treat you, how I should love you, how I should be careful to judge, how I should be careful to gossip, how I should be careful to murder by my gossip and and slander, how I should be careful to betray your trust, how I should be careful around a heart of unity, how I should be careful to not spread falsehoods. See, brothers and sisters, who can tame the tongue? It is an evil that sits hell, that sits this world on fire with the fires of hell. And we are really going to need to repent because we as a people have failed our father in heaven in this area because we have set up hell inside of these temples and we have set out to defile the temples of God. And let me say like this, I'm ending as I end. Let me say it like this. You say, Peter, what are you talking about? They defiled the temple of God when they crucified the Messiah because he was the ultimate temple and they crucified him on a stake. And now I want to submit to you that we still do the same because we crucify. We put other believers on the cross as we murder them, just like we murdered the Messiah, because we do not. We come with false witnesses. We do not bring our two to three witnesses. We do not go to that person and ask for clarity. We go and we We idolize people, we exalt people, and then we have unequal weights and measures and all of these jealousies burn up inside of us and all of these things that I can go on and on and on. And you all know what I'm talking about. These very things we allow and by this, we defile the temples of God that he is setting up. And so has anything then really changed? Are we not as our blood not stained yet again with the blood of the Messiah? Because he said, what you do to the least of these you do unto me. And so I as for me in my house, I'm going to be careful as to how I judge my brother or my sister. I'm going to make sure that I have deep love for them and that I do not use unequal mites and measures and the way and the measure and the severity that I use to judge someone else. I'm going to keep in mind that God is going to use that same measure towards me. And if you're okay with that, fine, go ahead. But make sure that you're okay with the measure that you're using. And so I want to ask, 
Make sure that you are clean, that you are not falling away, that you're not allowing the temptations of the devil and he's tempting us. He's coming after trying to steal our crowns because when the king comes back, the time is up. The time is ticking. Where will you find yourself? Father, I pray, O Lord, for everyone who is listening, Lord, I thank you, God, for that you are going to come back, that you've not forgotten us. But Father, I pray that you would in this time prepare our hearts, convict our hearts, come with your sword of the spirit, Lord, change our hearts, make us more like you. And Father, help us to walk as you walked. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come and just put a spirit of unity in your body, Lord. And Lord, put a standard that we're going to call each other to holiness. We're going to hold each other to account, but we are going to do so biblically and in love. And we're going to do so with the with the pursuit of your kingdom in mind and not with the pursuit of of our kingdoms or putting others down for the sake of it. So we may be exalted. But oh, Father, help us to have your face, that when others look at us, they see you. Amen.